I don't know about the very special part, but we're here, and God is always good. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to come back and share God's Word with our family, and uh, it is truly an opportunity, and I don't take it lightly, um, for sure. And next, we're going to be hearing a passage of Scripture. It is a fairly lengthy passage. It's about 21 verses, so hang in there. But what I would ask is that we stop and consider what we are hearing in the sense that this is a love letter from our Father. This is a love letter from our Father who wants what is best for His children. And so if we could give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. We'll be reading in Ephesians 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be must not even be named among you as is proper among saints let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place but instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous that is an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose that they do in secret. But expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed... By the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the word of the Lord. Thank you. Let's pray. 
Abba, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name, to come together as your family, as a part of your family, to bring you glory. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your care and your nurturing. And Lord, though it may be difficult to say, we do thank you for your discipline. For we know as you discipline us often, it is because you love us. We thank you. We cannot thank you enough, Lord, for the fact that you've adopted us into your family, made us your child, that we might display your glory and shine your light here on earth. In the precious holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so tying in with a little bit with what we talked about last time I was here, if you remember, it was probably, what, several months ago, so I won't ask anybody to try to remember that far back because I can't remember what I had for breakfast. So, But have you ever heard the term chip off the old block? Or maybe the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree? Like father, like son, or like mother, like daughter? Many of these statements bring to mind this idea of a child who copies their parent. Many of us have vowed as a child never to say something or do something like our parents, right? Oh, I'm never going to say that. Only to find later as we become adults, guess what? We sound exactly like our parents. And I know there have been times when my own children have, say, have told me, boy, you sound just like grandpa. <sighs> But it's true. Now, I understand our reading was quite lengthy today, and so don't worry, I'm not going to go verse by verse. Uh, but it contains so much information and so much incredible message from God. We're going to do kind of a, just a cursory overview of this passage of Scripture. So the big takeaway here today is we are called to live out the character of our Father modeled by Jesus Christ in the power of of the Holy Spirit. So hopefully you notice there that there's a there's an element of the Trinity involved here throughout this passage. Paul is calling us as God's children to imitate our Father in a way that changes the communities and the lives of those around us. There's a phenomenal responsibility to being his child. Alistair Begg sums it up very well by stating that the world makes deductions about the nature of God himself on the expressions of the children of God. So let that sink in a little bit. The world, the people that we live with, will make judgment calls on God's character based on what they see in us. That's pretty powerful. And I think, as we mentioned last time, I think sometimes the angels scratch their heads and think, you know, this plan doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope for it being successful. And God says, you just wait and see. I am working through my people. So let's dive in. Verse 1, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, one of the first things we notice here is a familial connection to God. Notice he calls us. What does he call us? Beloved children. Beloved children. Let, let that sink in for a moment. We're talking about the God of the universe 
absolutely adores you. He adores you and he wants to spend every single second of the day with you as his child. We know from other scripture that as a child, God sees us as co-heirs with his very own son, Jesus Christ. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we stand to inherit everything that Jesus will inherit. What does Jesus inherit? What will he inherit? Everything. So guess what we inherit? Everything. He's our brother. And if we are to inherit all that Jesus will inherit, there should be no doubt that we are considered his children. We are not illegitimate children. We have been adopted into the family as co-heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm a child of my parents, and as such, I have inherited all that they have given me. And it's not just monetary. I've inherited traits and ways of thinking and ways of speaking. The idea that Paul is emphasizing here is connected all the way back in chapter 1. So if you ever get a chance, Ephesians is a great book because, uh, to, to read through because it's not very long, but you can get the whole context of the book as you read through the whole thing in one sitting. It's a, it's a letter. So, so in reality, a lot of our letters that we read, we, we broke it up in Scripture by chapter and verse, right? But if you think about it and put it into a letter format where it's just written out, the first church would have just read it like a letter. Hey, Paul's writing to us. Let's hear what he has to say. Let's hear what God is telling us and then read it all the way through. But through the context of this whole chapter, Paul starts even back in verse 1, in Ephesians 1, sorry, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, he says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. See, in the Jews' God's children, right? Gentiles, as we are Gentiles, have been adopted into his family as one. And he goes on to say, Paul says in verse 11 of chapter 1, he says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So in other words, we have been given an inheritance. When we come to Jesus Christ, believe what he has done on the cross, and that he was raised from the dead, Scripture tells us that we are saved, right? says that we are saved. But then we are sealed as his child with the Holy Spirit. We see this in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 1, that as a pledge guaranteeing the inheritance promised. So God adopts us into his family, and then he places his Holy Spirit in us to seal us into that family connection. And we are then ushered into his family as beloved children. Much like we talked about last time when I was here, when we talked about chapter 4, as we are brothers and sisters, right? Whether we like it or not. We are brothers and sisters of each other. And that's why you'll hear oftentimes people in church will say, hey, brother, hey, sister. We are. We're related. And praise God that we are. Now, one thing about family, I'll just warn you, one thing about family, you can't ever stop being family. You can unfriend people. You can walk away from other people. You can never walk away from family, right? You're always going to be family, which should actually be a good thing in God's family. 
Now, as his children then, we are able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, mind you, as we go through, watch this, to put on our new self, which is in the likeness of God. Again, Paul continuing in chapter 4. We're also promised in 2 Peter 1, verse 4, he says, He has granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. We actually get to become partakers of the nature of God himself. And it does make us dance. <laughs> or it should, right? We have become divine. We have taken on that divine nature of God himself. So there is no doubt that when we cling to Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are reborn entering into the entire new family. A child loved by God, by the God of the universe. Now notice the second element of Ephesians 5, verse 1. Don't worry, we're still in verse 1, I know. we got 29. No, never mind. <laughs> but he says, we are commanded to be imitators. Now the word here used for imitators is the word we get for mimic. To mimic something or copy. Have you ever seen a child imitate their parent? Sometimes you see them, especially like walking in the sand, and they'll try to step in their footsteps, right? Children are often copy or mimic their parents using voice inflections, facial expressions. And according to an article titled, What, are your, what Your Child Learns by Imitating You, children learn a vast array of skills by copying adults during the critical first few years of their lives. Now get this, this is the term that they use. I love it. They call it imitation by intent. This is what children will do. They, they purposefully watch you. If you're a parent, you know this. Because they will pick up on everything. Oftentimes the things you don't want them to pick up on. Right? But they will watch and they will, they call it imitation by intent. So our question today is, are we intent on imitating our father? Do we seek after those opportunities to imitate our Father? If we are children, as we have established, then it should only be natural for us to imitate our Heavenly Father. That should be a natural recourse. That should be our desire, just like any child imitates their parents. Not out of a duty-bound servitude to a tyrannical leader or dictator, but as a child of a Father who adores us desirous of being more like him in character every day. Now, here's the key, folks, for all of us. In order to imitate or mimic someone, you have to study them and get to know them. So if you watch children imitating their parents, what are they doing? They're studying you. They're studying every movement. And just as a child studies their parents and copies what they see, we must study our Father to get to know Him and understand His character. We must spend time with Him in His Word, with other family members, in prayer, seeking Him to know His character. So how do we do this? This is a tall order. I mean, this is... We're sinful, flawed human beings. We have opinions. We have ideas. We have all these kind of crushing things that seem to be around us all the time. How do we imitate a holy, infinite God? 
It's a big challenge. But one of the great things about our Heavenly Father is that He never commands us just to do something without providing the way to do it. He calls us to be holy, as we see in 1 Peter, just as He is holy. And you read that verse and you think, there's no way. How can I be holy like the Father is holy? But guess what? He never calls us to do that without His strength and His influence in our life. You know the account of Abraham when he was in the Old Testament, when God set his covenant before him. Often with the covenant, they would take animals and they would split them apart. And then they would step through the blood. And that was their sign of contract or covenant with the other person. But God in his infinite wisdom knew that there was no way Abraham was going to be able to keep his side of the covenant. And so he walked through the blood for both of them taking both sides of that contract in order to guarantee that that contract would never fail. He always provides what is needed to complete the task he calls us to. He always will. It may not be what we think, you know, may not be what we're looking for, but he will provide every time for what he calls us to do. And as his children, we have the opportunity to make an impact on our community as we live out our heritage. Paul shows us in the rest of the chapter 5 just how to do this. Now, so you say how. This is where we're going to get practical. All right? We get real practical here, folks. God's word is, I tell you what, sometimes we think, well, what's God's will? What's God's will? I need to know what God's will is. He's telling you in his word. I guarantee you, God's will for your life Share the gospel. Live out his love. That's his will for your life. As you go, make disciples. All right, so he says here, Paul says, here's some practical tips here. We're going to walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. This is how we mimic our Heavenly Father. We are to live differently, but notice again that we're not expected, nor can we do this in our own strength. Praise God he provides, because here in verse 18, he states, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now this is not so much a call against alcohol as it is a statement in regard to what is controlling your life. What do you give control of your life to? Is it the things around you? Is it the chaos and the pressures? Or is it His Holy Spirit? To be effective as God's child, to imitate our Father, we must first and foremost submit ourselves to His control. We have to give up ourselves to Him. And we do this by submitting regularly to the Holy Spirit. We make choices in our lives that encourages the growth of what? The fruit of the Spirit. Because that's what he's making and building in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, mm. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We make choices in our lives that encourages that fruit to grow into our life. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is working anyway. 
So we remove things in our life that allow those things to grow and populate in our life. So the ability to walk in love, light, and wisdom is only made possible by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All right, so walking in love. It says here in verse 2. Hey, we made it to verse 2. All right, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The love we are to display here in our lives is defined right here in the same verse. We are to love others as Christ loves us. How does he love us? Notice I say, how does he love us instead of just loved? He continues to love us sacrificially, right? Now, I want to make this point here. It is hard to love people when we're battling the wrong opponent. I just want to let that sink in. We're going to come back to that. Put a little footnote in there. But it is hard to love people when we are battling the wrong opponent. Loving others, walking in love, not an easy task, yet one that in the power of the Holy Spirit we are commanded to do as His child. According to verse 2, we are to walk in love by following Christ's example of giving Himself up for us. Christ's example of love is showing forgiveness for those who do not deserve it. Stop and think, are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? Am I forgiven? If I accept what Christ has done on the cross, seek Him out, make Him Savior and Lord of my life, believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, I'm forgiven. Did I earn it? Did any of us earn it? No, because as we know from Scripture, He did this while we were yet sinners. He doesn't expect us to polish ourselves off, clean ourselves up, come to Him perfect. He's already taken care of perfection. He wants us to come to Him as we are. Walking in love is knowing the truth and showing grace. Walking in love is putting our own desires second to the direction and will of our Father. Walking in love is putting our needs, or excuse me, the needs of others before our own. Walking in love is trusting that our Father will take care of injustice rather than trying to right the world ourselves. That's what Christ did on the cross, right? We can't fix it, but we can love in His strength. Walking in love is matching our actions to our profession. Hey, I'm a Christian. How many of us are proud to say we're Christians? I'm proud to say I'm a Christian, right? We should be able to stand in front of a stadium of Seahawks fans and say, I'm proud to be a Christian. It's much easier in here. We're surrounded by family. But that's the kind of life we need to live. We walk in love by imitating our brother, Jesus Christ. 
as his child walking in love is expected because he commands it. But it's possible because God's Spirit enables it. So as God's child, we're also to walk in light, as we see in this chapter later on. Yes, we've moved on to some other verses now. We're on to verse 7 and 8. He says, Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light, light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. When we come to Christ, we come to know the truth. Do you know that? You ever notice that? Once you come to the Lord, and oftentimes you watch people that don't know the Lord, and you're like... Really? Why can't you see that? And then you say, I was there too. Yeah. But once you come to the Lord, you see the truth. You know the truth. When we come to Christ, we also see ourselves as we truly are, sinners in the need of a Savior. Now notice Paul emphasizes in verse 8 here that we were formerly darkness. Not in darkness. We were part of the darkness. But then he goes on, he says, as a child of God, we are light. Not only, we, we don't only put on our new self, the truth, the light, we actually, through God, become light. We are vessels of his light. As the Holy Spirit is deposited in every child of God, we actually become His light here on earth. Remember that plan that the angels were scratching their heads about? This is the plan. God's going to deposit His Spirit in us. He's going to deposit His light in us. And then He says, go. Shine my light. Be vessels of my light to this dark world. Because Jesus tells us, what does he say in Matthew 5? He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. That would be silly. But on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see what see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why should we let our light shine? to glorify our Father who we are mimicking and copying. I remember in one of our studies we, from John Piper, he talks about how we are mirrors of God's grace and love to the world. And if we are pointed in the right direction as we are following Him and focused on Him, we reflect His light to the world around us. Too often we tilt our mirrors and we become focused on us and on mankind and all the problems of sinful world. And now what are we reflecting? Nothing but garbage. We should be reflecting His light and His love to the world around us. Just as Jesus states that a light is not lit to be extinguished, but to shine, so Paul picks this up and states in our passage today, all things that become visible when exposed to light. Now, I have to be honest with you. I've wrestled with this passage of Scripture before. Because as you read it, sometimes it looks like, well, it's my job to go around and expose the darkness. It's my job to go around and say, you're wrong. 
But notice, we're not called to expose the evil around us. As God's child, we are not told to point out others' faults or berate or condemn their actions. Did Jesus ever do that? No. The most, the most powerful words Jesus used were against the religious leaders of the day. We are told here that as a child of God, the light that is within us, God's light, will do the exposing. It's not our job. His light will do the exposing. When we walk in light, when we walk as bearers of His light, the light itself will expose the truth around us. And just a small example of this, and this is nothing about me, but it did happen to me several times when I was in the military. I would go into, oftentimes I'd be in conversations with people and there'd be a group of folks there and they'd be cussing and cutting it up and all this. And they'd turn to me and I didn't know these people and I hadn't said one word. Now I didn't join in the conversation, but I was just standing there and they'd turn to me and they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, Fred. I'd be like, what are you sorry for? Oh, well, I was cussing. I'm Okay, I didn't say anything. But it was God's light working through me that allowed that truth to be exposed and to cause some of that, maybe that little niggle in their mind to say, eh, maybe I shouldn't be saying something like this. I didn't say anything. But it was God's light shining through me, using me as a vessel. We remove the bull and set his light on the stand when we speak to others in a constructive, loving way. We allow His light to shine when we make choices that reflect the hope that we have in His eternal plan. When it comes to the mess of life around us, death and chaos, what do we offer that's so different? Do we join in? Commiserate? Or do we say, no, we got, yeah, I'll cry with you, but we've got hope. We have an eternity, and you can too, in Jesus Christ. We allow His light to shine when we demonstrate forgiveness and grace. Catch this one, folks. We allow His light to shine when our hearts are more concerned over people's souls than our own agendas. We are walking in light when we demonstrate the truth of the gospel, which is God's love for mankind through the work and actions of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, the third way that Paul talks here of us mimicking our Father is walking in wisdom. Verse 15 and 16. I told you we'd keep moving along. All right, so look carefully when how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, Paul is not speaking here of specific days being evil, even though some of us would argue that Monday before coffee might be more evil than Fridays. I understand that. But what he's talking about here is that we live in a fallen, evil world. It's broken. The world we live in now is not the world God designed for us in that sense. Remember, he set up the garden. It was perfect. It was wonderful. We had a job to do. We were working. We loved it. Then we decided to take it on our own. Scripture tells us that the world around us is groaning as in 
pangs of childbirth from sin. It's broken as well. And as His loved children, we must be wise with our time for our time is limited. And I guarantee you, I've felt this more and more as I've gotten older. Time goes quickly. And if you stop and think about the amount of time we spend here on earth, it seems like sometimes it's like, wow, there's people that live to 100, 110 years old. And then I think, yeah, but compared to eternity, that's not even, I, you wouldn't even be able to see it on a map. What we do with our time is critical during the time that we have here on earth. So when things go sideways and life gets messy, remember, remember our statement earlier here, the battle that we're waging is a spiritual one. Very quickly we can get wrapped up in the what we can see, the tangible. It is hard to love people when we are battling the wrong opponent. Remember that? Because he says later, Paul says later in Ephesians 6, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. A wise use of our time is to mimic how Jesus lived here on the fallen, broken world. He was perfect. He came here and lived among us. He knows a thing or two on how to live in a broken world in a in a way that glorifies His Father. So we copy Him. Now notice, Jesus did not come to fight the world's systems with physical violence. That wasn't His plan. When He returns, there will be some physical violence. But that was not His plan. And this is the, what we are to mimic. John 12, 47 tells us that He did not come to judge the world. What? He came to what? Save the world. This is the characteristics we follow. We are not here to judge the world, folks. We are not called to judge the world. We are called to love the world and reach out in compassion to the world. We study His movements and copy His choices in our lives. Walking in wisdom is reaching people with His truth. Walking in wisdom is sacrificially putting your spouse's needs ahead of your own. Walking in wisdom is praying for those who are not in a relationship with Him. Walking in wisdom is sharing your faith and what God has done for you. There's a great account in Scripture, you've all heard it, I'm sure, where Jesus healed a demonic person out in the, the tombs that, that couldn't be constrained and what happened afterwards? He was sitting in his right mind. He was sitting there talking. The people got scared. And so they asked him to leave. Actually, they told him to leave. And so Jesus said, okay. So he got up with his disciples and left. What did that gentleman want to do? He wanted to go with them. Wouldn't you? You just got released from all this bondage, all this garbage, all this hate and all this anger. And it's, uh, it's all gone. And you're sitting there next to the one who did it. Man, I'd want to, I'm not leaving. I'm sticking with this guy. And what did Jesus do? He turned to him and he said, go tell what God has done for you. That's what I need you to do. Go back to where you live and just tell them what God has done for you. And we talk about, as his child, we talk about sharing the gospel. We talk about sharing his love. Really, sharing the gospel is sharing what God has done for you. Give me your testimony. Testimony is a fancy word for what did God do for you. Right? God loved me, 
at 14, I went to a concert, saw a man who was badly burned from a fire accident. He was in an airplane crash, all disfigured, and he was singing the kind of joy. And I said, I want that. And at 15, I gave my life, 14, I gave my life to the Lord. I'd grown up in a church. I'd done all, in fact, I was part of the, I think I was part of the leadership of the youth group at the time. But Jesus Christ came to me through that person's testimony of sharing his love and what God had done for him. Walking in wisdom is demonstrating grace and forgiveness to all we meet, not just those we get along with. Walking in wisdom is praying for your leaders rather than putting them down with your opinion. I wrestle with this one, folks. I do. I scratch my head every day wondering what is going on. Walking in wisdom is not being foolish, as Paul tells us. Rather, it is understanding what the will of the Lord is, filling our lives with the Holy Spirit, and edifying or lifting others up with the way we speak. By copying or mimicking Jesus' actions and choices here on earth, we imitate our Father. John 5, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does also. Or likewise. So in other words, when we read Scripture and we see what Jesus did, that's what the Father did. That's what the Father wants. It's, it's a perfect image of the Father. We see the Father through the Son. Because He said, I say nothing, I do nothing other than what the Father tells me to say and the Father tells me to do. That's the, imic, the mimicking, the, the imitating that we must get into because He's our brother. We should imitate Him, imitate the Father. So, question for us today. Are you an imitator of your father? Do you copy him? Do you mimic him? Do you search him out? Spend time with him so you know his characteristics? Do you reach out to the world around you with hands of healing and words of encouragement? Do you let go of bitterness, anger, resentment, and negativity and trust God to deal with the mess of life? Are you kind and tender-hearted, eager to forgive? You know, that's one thing that always gives me. It's like God stands on the edge of heaven looking for ways to forgive. Man, if I were God, I wouldn't, I'd be like, you guys are lost. But he looks for opportunities to forgive. Do you copy your older brother and submit to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to have full control of your actions and your speech? Remember, we are called to live out the character of our Father modeled by Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are His children, children of the Almighty God. So we must ask ourselves every day, when someone looks at me, the way I live, the way I act, how I talk, is there a strong family resemblance? Do they see God or do they see me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God.
Not only that, you are a loving father who dotes on his children, who loves us beyond measure. God, we call to you the strength of the Holy Spirit that you have placed in us to give us the strength to mimic you, to imitate you this week, to shine your love, to walk in wisdom, to reach out to a world in compassion and love and forgiveness, eagerly pointing them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.